You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Welcome to the pinnacle of wrestling entertainment, Premier Streaming Network. Join us at watchonpremier.com to unlock the ultimate wrestling experience, curated to perfection. Immerse yourself in the spectacular world of wrestling history, where classic battles and unforgettable moments are at your fingertips. Join us today and experience the epitome of curated wrestling content, because when it comes to wrestling entertainment, Premier sets the standard. Be Premier. This is the MLW Radio Network. This is the Mind of the Meanie. Here are your hosts, the Blue Meanie and Adam Barnard. Peace world and welcome everybody to the Mind of the Meanie, your weekly peek into the world according to former WWE superstar and ECW original, the Blue Meanie. We'll cover wrestling, music, movies, sports, and lots and lots of useless knowledge all contained in the Mind of the Meanie. I'm your tour guide, Adam Barnard, and he is the Blue Meanie. Meanie, what's on your mind? I am hungover. <laughs> uh, yeah, when, it's, when, when we went to McCusker's last night, um, we're uh, sitting around watching uh, TV, watch a couple podcasts, and then uh, putting the Phillies game and you know, uh, low inside baseball. We're recording this on Friday after the Thursday. They fi- the Phillies fired uh, Joe Girardi. Mm-hmm. About time. And, uh, yeah, good riddance. Seriously, he is, he is the Barry Switzer of sports managers, baseball managers. Like he's known for winning a World Series with a with a team that his predecessor, you know, pretty much prepared for him. <laughs> <laughs> Barry, Barry Switzer won the uh, Super Bowl. With the uh, Cowboys that, you know, Jimmy Johnson basically made, you know, uh, here, here's a gift. Right. I'm sure Jimmy Johnson goes around, puts asterisks next to Barry Switcher's Super Bowl win. But, um, yeah, with Philly Fire, yeah, and Gir- Girardi won the World Series with the Yankees that Joe Torre basically just yeah. ran. But, uh, yeah, and then, like, you know, the, you know, the first game without Joe Torre, they went like ten to nothing. I was like, "Way, what? What a way to say fuck you to Joe Torre!" Then honestly, yeah. But uh, we saw that. We're like, "Fuck, let's, let's go to the bar," because McCusker's is you know, you know, it's a rock and roll. It's a little bit of everything bar, but it's definitely a Phillies bar. You know, uh, so we w- went to the bar, had a few cocktails, and uh, here I am today, uh, blessing you with my presence and my Irish flu. <laughs> Have a little bit of Irish flu. Irish flu. There is absolutely nothing worse, man, than being hungover at work. You know, full disclosure, as we all know, I have a shoe job outside of this, but I don't yeah. go to I don't go to work hungover because I literally can't function. There would be absolutely no way that I could deal with the type of shit I deal with at work. Yeah. <laughs> hungover, dude. It's the absolute worst feeling in the world. The last time I was hungover was August of 2020. It was my birthday. We were at my brother in law's house. And, um, they, you know, they don't have any kids. And so they, 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 you know, they, they drink, they party pretty frequently. And, uh, he had fireball and I've never drinking fireball before. And I'm the type of idiot where I'm like, yeah, sure. Let's take a shot. And then I take a shot and nothing happens. 
Like, oh, yeah, let's do it again. And then, like, you know, seven shots deep, I'm falling down on the floor. Dude, yeah. I was I was hungover for, like, three days. I had to call out of work. That was a Saturday. I had to call out of work on Monday because I was still so I couldn't even get out of bed on my own Sunday. I was like, this is this is I can't believe this is happening. So I've sworn off hard alcohol since that point. But um, I swear after uh, what was it? November to remember in New Orleans we did. Yeah. And after the pay-per-view, we went down the Bourbon Street and drank all night. I went right from Bourbon Street to the airport. Oh, man. This is like uh, 98 and the, um, I forget what airline I was on, but they went on strike while I was down there. So they had to put me on a new thing. And it's it, it was like the worst. Mm. You know, flying to New Orleans is just the worst anyway because yeah. you have to fly an hour past New Orleans to Texas and then an hour back to New Orleans. It's like, can you just give me a fucking parachute? <laughs> It's like I flew to Houston, then Houston to. So on the way back, I've had to fly from New Orleans to Houston, Houston to the Philly, and I'm drunk. And like, and in Houston, I had a six-hour layover. Wow. And like, you know, six hours is a good piece of time to you know take a nap or something, you know. Right. And uh, like, I I I, I could have took a nap, but. Then again, there was that fear of oversleeping and missing my layover. Yes. Missing my connection. So I was just like, I was doing the uh, clockwork orange, you know, putting toothpicks in my eyelids just to, you know, keep me, keep me awake. Like, hey. oh, God, dude. Yeah. I've, so, I've done some, some, some things drunk that just like, oh, just, but you know, but I was in my twenties, you yeah. know, and I, I was a road, not a literal warrior, but I was like a road warrior, you know, just like, gotta make the towns, you know. What would your road warrior name have been? Oh, I don't <laughs> know. Road warrior fart. <laughs> well, they had puke. Come on, he's gonna puke. He's gonna fart. He's gonna he's fart. fart. <laughs> oh, he's gonna do it. <laughs> ah, <laughs> I farted, god damn it. Dude, uh, my, my, Oh, dude, I, I need to put a mic in my hallway between my bedroom <laughs> and the bathroom because I'll let out a fucking marathon one, like walking while well, I'm walking down the hall. <laughs> dude, I met somebody at the bar last night, a uh, young dude. He plays saxophone in a in a band. And I was like, hey, man, if I pay you a couple bucks. Can you follow, follow me around and do the fat man walk music? <laughs> Pretty good pop at the bar. Oh, that's you know? hilarious, man. I um I usually, you know, I have septa stories now. Now that I'm back on the train to go to work to the city, um, I will have septa stories each weekend for everybody. Um, but yesterday was a shit show. I was stuck on the train for probably about forty five minutes, uh, between thirtieth Street and Overbrook. Um somebody actually I think somebody jumped in front of the train at the Ardmore station. Um Ooh. which was horrible. I mean it's terrible. And we were just sitting on the train and they were like, Hey, we can't really go anywhere. We're going to dump you off at Overbrook and you'll just stay there. You have to like take, you know, a bus. The bus will take you the rest of the way. And there was someone that was sitting in front of me that had like BO in the worst possible. <laughs> like, you know, you're sitting there and like, I think what's, I don't know what's worse is like the smell or like when they scratch greasy hair and like the flakes and shit fall out. Like I'm sitting there reading this book 
and I'm watching this person and she, like this person's just like sleep, you know, got their head back on the seat and they're scratching this, their dirty head and it's just fucking fl- I'm like, <laughs> I got up and moved. I'm like, this is disgusting, man. And it's just, it's except it's always like that. Well, dude, I had a, uh, the weekend I went out to uh, Pittsburgh for Norm Connors and, uh, you know, Ray, Stevie and Raver on that show. I, I took a Greyhound out. My car was busted. I was like, ah, fuck, I'll take a bus out. Oh, my God. The guy in front of me, uh, I don't know what it was, but, like, he had, I don't know if it's, like, moles or warts sticking out through his hair. Kind of like when you see a mountain poke out through the, the woods. <laughs> and that's, like, that was, like, my view for six hours. Just uh. on a, I was like, oh, and uh, did you ever look at something and you can smell? There's not a smell there, but it looks like it smells. So you get that smell in your head and yep. you're just like. <laughs> you're just gagging like, the whole time. And my guy, Old Spice in a rag, I just put over my face. <laughs> give me some, give me some yeah. fucking mixed vapor rub under my nose or something, man. Yeah. Give me something. I puff out my bottom lip and start breathing air, blowing air into my own face. Because I know my my breath is going to smell better than whatever the fuck that is, man. Yeah. I think I'll just shit my pants right now. (laughs) It's going to defecate on the seat right here. Yeah. Um, I'll take a a spite shit. Oh, man. I'm sure I'll have some sepsis stories for you guys as we come up. But shout out to the pod squad, by the way. Good morning friends and family thank you for joining us again don't forget you can sign up at patreon.com slash mind of the meaning right now and see our lovely faces sometimes hung over and sometimes not we are we are 50 hung over today so <laughs> you can come and see us every single day but uh, yeah i uh man um also i wanted to say this before we got into like before we talk about the elephant in the room besides me uh hey. i saw your parallel park job the other day man and I don't think people appreciate, like people from Philadelphia don't yeah. appreciate a good parallel park when they see one. Like I am the king of parallel parking here in Westchester because of all the parking. My buddy, Kurt, shout out to Kurt Renz, used to live in uh, on Gillespie Street down in the Northeast. And they were yeah. like super tiny. You know how it is like the super tiny fucking streets in the middle of Philly. Yeah. And you have to parallel park. So and I had this big blazer at the time, the Chevy blazer. And I had to parallel park that bitch in Philly. And man, I just got so good. Like, I don't even really look anymore when I do it. I'm like, yep, I can fit there. And court is like, are you fucking kidding me? I was like, nope, watch to one turn this way, one turn that way. And I'm in, you know, but I tip yeah. my hat to you, sir, for your incredible parallel park job the other day that you posted on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, I actually, I, I think I just did that. Did I do that on Twitter? I, I think I did. did. I did for our, we have a, uh, inside baseball if you join up patreon.com slash mind the meanie we have a uh, facebook group yes so, you know uh <laughs> i said oh man i gotta share this one and uh yeah there you you could you could probably barely fit a piece of paper between both fenders uh, my back fender and my front fender and uh yeah it's just like parallel parking in south philly should be like an olympic event yes just, uh but like, yeah, I pulled up. I was like, I mean, if it wasn't like one o'clock in the morning, I probably would have kept looking around for a better spot. But I was like, you know what? Fuck, I can make that. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's an art form, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I utilize, uh, well, I got to turn the radio down. Yeah. Just to, yeah. And then 
I, I utilize my mirrors and I can pretty much tell the depth of how close I am to the car, depending on my, my brake lights. Like <laughs> when they start to, I'm like, all right, uh, all right. And then put it in part and drive a little, er, a little, you know, back in reverse, you know, and it was, it was kind of was it was kind of like that scene in, in fucking Austin Powers when he's driving the uh, that that thing and he's like just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. You got to do that a couple million times. Yeah, but I got in that fucking spot. It's like I am going to bed. I got parked this car and I got to go to bed. It's and uh, I did. It's funny you say that when you're talking about like using your brake lights to see the depth. Like Courtney will yell at me, my wife, she'll yell at me all the time when I'm parallel parking. Like, don't get too close, don't get too close. And I'm like, I can, I have like a sixth sense for how close I am to the car behind me and the car in front of me. And I know I've yet, knock on wood, and I know I will probably now because I'm saying it out loud, but I, I have yet to ding a car or tap a car while I have been parallel parking. I've hit the curb plenty of times. But not a car in front of me or behind me. Yeah, dude, because it fucks your whole thing up, and then you got to yeah, start again, and yeah. you know. But yeah, parallel parking is a fucking art form here in Philadelphia, and you have to. It's like it's literally sink or swim. Like you have to learn how to do it if you're going to live here, or if you're going to work here, or travel here. And it's just, I just wanted to applaud you out loud, sir, in public yeah. for your parallel park job. You can see what I'm doing right now if you join us at Patreon.com/slash Mind of the Meanie, but Meanie. We got big things to talk about today. Two big things, AEW yeah. related, or as as Jim Cornette would say, AEW. Um, whoa! I hope you watch yeah. Dynamite this week. Um, uh, you really didn't have a choice. Dinner and I was a blaze. MJ, the- I, I, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and ask it because there's no other way to say it. Let's just rip the yeah. bandaid off. Blue yeah. meanie. Yeah. What did you think of MJF's promo on Dynamite? Oh, it was fucking amazing. Um, you know, uh, you know, for those who missed it, for the two people in the world who probably missed it, uh, you know, MJF, they've they've had this like ongoing storyline, behind the scenes storyline. It's you know they're trying to portray as a shoot or real, if you will. And, uh, you know, that him and Tony Khan are at odds over money and stuff like that. And I'm sure it could be true. And I'm sure maybe they've squashed it and, you know, worked out something. And they're like, hey, let's just fucking run with it, you know. But, uh, yeah, that, that promo was amazing. And uh, usually the best promos are the ones that are based off of real life things, you know. Because it's easy to get into and it's easy because... You know, promos are all about feeling, you know, good promos you know, are about feeling, telling the truth and, uh, you know, people could get behind it. And, uh, yeah, his, his promo, I mean, everybody bastardized, bastardized the words pipe bomb based on, which is, you know, in reference to CM Punk's epic promo in WWE, uh, against John Cena and, and the, and the machine in WWE, and uh, it was amazing. That that was amazing. But everybody tries to oh so so drop the pop a pipe bomb, and you go really that 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 was a pipe bomb promo. But you know this MJF promo that was probably right up there with you know Punk's initial pipe bomb promo. And 
You know, everybody's like, I said, is it a shoot or is it? It's a work. Trust me. Uh, trust really? me, it's a work. You think yeah. so? That was going to be my next question as we led into it. And I'm glad you kind of ripped that bandaid off because I've been trying to pick you and, and real dad's, uh, pick you and real dad's uh, brain about it. But you think it's a work? No, it's a work. Uh, if there was a money issue or there, there's a an issue issue, <clears throat> I was trying to think of a word, but, you know, brains. Um, no person, no person in the right mind would let somebody go out on their TV that they're paying millions of dollars for to go out there and, and bury them like that. And, uh, oh, well, the, I mean, the, the point that tips off that it's a, it, it was a work that like, you know, he, they ended the promo with, uh, MGF calling Tony Khan a fucking Mark and on live TV, they just happened to know when they hit the the beep. You know, they beep. They when he went to say "fucking Mark," they beeped him. Now, if somebody really went on TV and said, "Ah, oh, yeah, fucking Mark," there would probably hit a, like a seven second delay. You know, when you know when when uh, what was it? Um, uh, Will Smith and Chris Rock. Yeah. When he said, leave my wife's name out your fucking mouth, there was a like a jump in the video because they had to cut it. They had to censor him. It made the Japanese version, you know, because you know, you know they they didn't know he was swearing. But uh, well, they they their their TV delays are much different. Like their their indecency line is a lot different than ours. You know. Yeah, yeah, but that's a prime example. You know, if somebody goes to call you a fucking mark, and you know to beep them at that that exact point. And I'm curious though, with that, with just with that, with that point though, I'm curious to know how like what the delay said, this is just like more of a technical question, but I'm sure I'm curious to know what the delay setup is on something like that because it's live, you know, right. it's live. I'm sure there's some, there wouldn't have been a beep. There would just have been they probably a jumping would. video because you hit the dump. Well, but even, or like what WWE does, they just, they block out the, like they just cut the sound, you know, like when you hear, they did that during the Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes uh, promo the other day. Gotcha. I guess someone in the crowd was cussing or something and they just like, they literally just dumped the audio so you could still see the video playing, but the audio was just dumped out. Um, and Travis just mentioned too, when John Moxley told that guy to get what he said, something like get, get him the fuck out of here that made TV. Yeah. yeah. So there's definitely something to that. I just, I guess with me, like, you know, I'm never really sure. I guess I am a good Mark for no, people, but he was out, for, he was out there for eight minutes. Yeah. How no, long was, how long was CM Punk's pipe bomb? It was a good bit. I didn't time that, but I'm looking at it. I know. I know MGFs was eight minutes because somebody else said it was eight minutes. So I was like, I'll go with it. Uh, But yeah, it's just, yeah, it's work. And I feel bad for all these reporters who are like propagating the work. Uh, MGF bought a plane ticket. How the fuck would you know? Yeah. MGF, a plane ticket. Who is, who is telling you? That M- and I'm not I'm not shitting on anybody and I'm not you know I'm not being a, a you know no, no, no. but it's like yeah, it's hard enough to get news you know right you know but I think some people got played yeah and uh, definitely uh, you know you look you gotta look at these people and go oh so what, what the next story when they tell you the next story you're like uh oh, how accurate is it right right well lucha just had a good point uh, about pod squad member lucha lechezo i hope i pronounced that correctly uh was said that mjf had canceled a lot of indie appearances since october 
So, and, and they said some of this feels real. Honestly, like, I don't necessarily disagree at, with the fact, I know this isn't mine of the Adam, this is mine of the meanie, but I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm giving We're my analysis. Com- um, yeah. Conversation. <laughs> it's, a lot of this feels like it started from a real place. You know, there's been a lot of information about MJF coming out and how much he's being paid and, you know, look like nobody, like, first of all, you know, I'm never, like, that's never going to be a question I ask Meanie. You know, like, I'm always interested in, like, the business aspect of things and, like, how a downside guarantee works and, like, what all that, what all that lingo and verbiage means. But I'm not going to say to Meanie, oh, man, how much did you make while you were wrestling in WWF when you were at WrestleMania? Like, that is just not shit you should be asking. And even not just professional wrestlers, but anybody. Like, that's just not your business. Um, but, it, I mean, to say that MJF should be being paid more than what he is, if that is actually what he's making, honestly, for me, as someone who has gripes with both companies right now, my favorite parts of AEW have been involving MJF. Like, he just is that good, and I feel like he deserves more, but I get sort of the business aspect as to why Tony wouldn't pay him without extending him, but um, I... I, Think think about it. It, uh, It's amazing, you know, Sasha and uh, Naomi walk out, and people thought that was a work, and, you know, MJF wants more money and is arguing, and they think that's a shoot. Yeah. (laughs) When it's very clearly the the opposite. I mean, you know... Here's the deal. It's like, you know, Naomi and Sasha walked out, WWE addressed it, and they haven't mentioned them again since then. Has Naomi and Sasha gone out and cut an eight-minute promo on Vince McMahon and or Johnny Ace and creative? or No. Yeah. So, you know, why would – why is Tony Khan, who's, you know, you know – T TV time's very valuable, you know, especially when it comes to advertising and all that stuff. Why would he give eight minutes of precious TV time for somebody to go out there and just pull down his pants and take a dump all over him? You know? Yeah. It's, it's a work. It has to be. It has to be. Now, now where it goes, who knows? Um, I don't know if Tony's going to come from behind the camera or, Mm. or what? I don't know. Mm. Uh, Hopefully we're not going into a evil Mr. McMahon mode. Yeah. Mr. Uh, McMahon, Eric Bischoff. I, I, that was, that happened in the nineties guys. Let's move. Let's find something else. I hope it doesn't go the evil GM route or whatever, or evil owner route. Cause you know, like that's just played out. Uh, I'm interested to see where it goes and, uh, we'll see what happens. But, uh, that promo was amazing. And uh, it felt real. And uh, I guess apparently uh, when they went off the air, CM Punk chased them out of the uh, ring or whatever, but uh, in, in commercial break. But uh, yeah, we'll see where it goes. There is something that, that has kind of like torched the internet a bit about this promo. Um, I've been seeing a lot of commentary about it. Um, I'm just going to read this exchange here. Um, this little paragraph from the, from the, the pipe bomb, if you will. Uh, your opinions suck. Your opinions change at the drop of a dime, and then you pretend your new opinions match your old opinions. For example, man, I always knew MJF was a great wrestler. Really? That's interesting, because last time I checked, you guys pretended I sucked in the ring for a long time. And why is that, huh? Because I'm not untrained like your faves? Because I don't pretend to watch New Japan? Because I don't dump my opponents on their head? Because I'm not reckless? What is it? 
because I'm not chasing star ratings, guys. What is it? Hey, bo- <laughs> and then jumping forward a little bit. Hey, boss, would you treat me better if I were an ex WWE guy? Um, I don't necessarily think that a lot of that is untrue from his vantage point, or maybe some other people in the locker room. Well, what, all you have to do is go read Twitter and see what the fans are talking about and work that into the promo. Yeah. Uh, Ray, Raven and, uh, well, more so uh, Jake the Snake Roberts would work, you know, when they were doing a promo, they were working like a song lyric from a popular song. So when somebody hears it, they go, oh, man, I heard that somewhere. Uh, you know, they, they hear something familiar, so it draws them in quicker. And while they're thinking about it, they get sucked into the rest of the promo. All you have to do is, you know, go on Twitter and find bullet points, see what people are saying. And then, oh, I'll address that. I'll address this. I'll address that. You know, uh, when I went to AEW in October and uh, Crowbar was wrestling Joey Janela. And uh, Joey's like, man, I got got to come to the ring, cut a promo. I was like, well, if you don't go to that ring and say, you know, the smartest man in Philadelphia is Ben Simmons because he wants to leave this godforsaken town, then I don't know what to tell you because that's like the biggest hot topic issue in Philadelphia right now. And he went out there and said it, and it got a reaction. And then, you know, once they went to the live um, uh, rampage, I mean, uh, Dynamite, you know, the crowd started chanting, fuck Ben Simmons. Yeah. <laughs> Not saying that I caused the fuck Ben Simmons chant, but... You know, yeah. that's what you got to do. You got to, you know, talk about, I mean, why, why, why are you having these issues? It's easy to say, you know, AEW's become Noah's Ark for former WWE guys. And there's also like a conspiracy theory. WWE's purposely releasing these people to, you know, fuck with AEW and make them spend more money than they were spending. You know, I'm sure the, the the cost of the roster is going up since all these WWE guys come over. And I think Vince actually slipped once and says, uh, <laughs> said something like, well, uh, we'll give them more, you yeah. know, or something like maybe that. We'll, maybe we'll give them more. Yeah. In the middle of it, a fucking investor's call. <laughs> maybe we'll send them more. Like, whoa. And then I forget, I don't know if it was Nick Conn or somebody else, but like immediately jumped in and we're like, well, we're going to, you know, like change the subject. But well, uh, think about it, you know, uh, you know, if you know, back in the well, in the territory days, you know, if the wrestlers getting stale, you would send them to another promotion. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, Vince would call up, uh, J- you know, uh, Graham. Uh, I can't think of his first name. Eddie Graham in Florida. Hey, uh, I'm wrapping up so and so. You want to take him down there for whatever? And you would send. This is a modern day version of you know just sending somebody to another territory without the other guy knowing that you're sending. You know. This way, somebody gets stale on WWE, just release them, they go work elsewhere. And, you know, SJR says, put on a fresh coat of paint. And then when they're done with AEW, they could come. Look, Cody went back, right? Yeah. He literally, he literally put on a fresh new coat of paint with a neck tattoo. And, uh, no, I'm just joking. Um, but, uh, no, he went to AEW, reinvented himself. And came back to WWE. You can always go back. So that's why, you know, you know, you're taking in all these old ex WWE guys. I'm sure the guys who are considered the, the founding fathers of AEW are like, Jesus Christ, you know, enough, you know, yeah. how, 
everybody's competing for airtime. Yeah. You know, you know, if uh, MTF's considered one of the four pillars of AEW and he's not being paid that, you know, I'm sure, you know, that'd be a great part of a, a promo, but who knows? Like I said, I think there's a point where he, you know, they probably had like a discussion about pay and they're like, you know, we could, you know, run with this as a, as an angle, you know, but, uh, you know, they're leaking stuff out to the, you know, the press and they're doing all the thing, you know, WWE takes Sasha Naomi stuff off WWE shot.com. Now MJF stuff off is off of a shop AEW.com. And, you know, it's just, you know, copy and paste, you know, just you know, different, they're, they're working off the Sasha and Naomi thing. They're, you know, okay, let's take, remove them from our webpage. Let's remove, remove the merch. Yeah. Which, I mean, you can still buy stuff on press on tees, I'm sure. So, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. yeah, just, uh, yeah, it's a well orchestrated work. I'm just curious to think, to know you're as well, like, you know, suppose MJF goes to WWE. Mm-hmm. How far up do you think he's, do you think he's going to have the same level of success that Cody Rhodes is having right now? Or do you think he's not, you know, do you think that character, let me, let me rephrase it this way. Do you think that gimmick and that character translates into what WWE is doing right now? I mean, it, I don't know if translate. The, the, the thing is you got to, what sets you apart from everybody else? Mm. You know, you know, if I'm a, a young aspiring wrestler, I would, see what the popular thing is and just do the opposite because you can't stand out when you're, when you're blending in, you know? So, I mean, that MJF definitely stands out, you know, he, uh, super, t- I mean, since he was a kid, you know, he, he, he has, you know, charisma, you know, and he's, he's getting jacked, you know, you look at him, you know, he definitely looks like he's, you know, preparing to <laughs> WWE, you know, the way he's getting the, you know, he's, he's putting on the muscle, but, uh, could he transform over to, absolutely. I'm sure, uh, Cody can be that, uh, conduit, you know, yeah. you know, to get him over there, but, um, who knows? Uh, he's, he's, his contracts, you know, he's got a contract to 2024 or something mm-hmm. like that. 18 months are left on his contract. Yeah. So it's going to be an interesting 18 months. Yeah. You know, who knows? I mean, if Tony pays them enough to stay, if they have, I haven't already worked that out, but like I said, I, I think that there was an issue with pay and they, they've, they've, they probably worked that out and, you know, now they're just making a storyline out of it. And at the last second, you know, they'll have a, what will MJF do? Yeah. You know, remember when they, they you know, Brett, had the decision on Monday Night Raw. Yeah, yeah. Announced on Monday Night Raw that he was staying, and they pin over to Vince, and Vince is like, oh, phew. you know, you know, what will Bret Hart do? Yeah. Uh, and I am staying in the WWF, and he, you know, he stayed. Yeah. You know, they're probably going to do that. I mean, they love to redo, you know, all Bret Hart's greatest hits. On AEW because you know he is the best there is, best there was, best there ever will be. But uh, yeah, the probably just you know up yeah up till seventeen months and uh, you know yeah. one day left. You know they'll <clears> probably <throat> work it out to where's what's he going to do? What's his decision? You know. Yeah. No, I think you're. I think you're right. I uh, I would. I would imagine 
And I think it would be stupid of Tony not to throw a ridiculous amount of money at MJF when his contract is up. Um, I can see why, like I said, as far as from a business standpoint, why Tony may not want to do that without extending his contract. Like, I get that from a business end. But also, like, you have to realize, like, if I have Ken Griffey Jr. on my baseball team and he's proven himself to be the best fucking player on the team or one of the best players on the team, you know, and I want to keep him and he's fielding offers, like, maybe it would be time to renegotiate that. Maybe it would be time to give him a little bump or something. Anything to be like, hey, man, we're going to keep you here. We want to keep you happy. Let's do this. Let's do that. But I don't know, man. I, uh, I go I mean, ahead. I think, I think back to the Eagles to situation right. where to came out and outperformed his contract and said, Hey, uh, I'd like to get a little bit more money, please. Yeah. I basically was the best player in the super bowl on a, on a broken leg. Yes, he was Philadelphia. Yeah. Admit it. Acknowledge Terrell Owens in that super bowl and acknowledge the fact I get angry about this. Meaning you hit a fucking hot button today. Donovan McNabb shit the bed in that super bowl. Donovan McNabb yeah. shit that bed in the entire fucking season. And T.O. Yeah. was right. I yeah. said it. I said it. <laughs> uh, shout out to Ike Reese from the Marks and Reese show. He told a story of how their, their friction started. There was a game in New York, and T.O. ran around, and he was wide open. He gets back to the the huddle, and he says, hey, man, I was open. Hey, man, I was open. Yeah, hey, man, I was open. T- Donovan looked at T.O. Man, man sh- shut the fuck up. And T.O. was just like, hmm. From that point on, T.O. was like, all right, it's going to be, I'm going to make this about me. Wow. (laughs) Wow. So, yeah, you know, in the huddle during the game while they're on offense, you know, T.O.'s like, eyes open. Donovan went, man, shut the fuck up. That's. And, uh, yeah, so that's, you know, Mm, that's. mm -mm. But, uh, yeah, the T.O. situation, if they were, you know, the next season, he's like, have a. You know, just a little bit more money. And, you know, uh, I forget who their GM was at the time, but this before Howie Roseman. Uh, their standard was, well, he, he knew the contract he was signing, you know. So I don't know if, you know, Tony's an NFL owner too. So I don't yeah. know if he's all about, well, he knew the deal he was signing, you know. So who, who knows where, how this will, you know, if they haven't already worked it out which I think they probably have, you know, I have no, uh, inside baseball knowledge up there, but you know, uh, it's just a matter of, you know, seeing how this plays out. I think the other thing too is, is if this is a work, it feels very Andy Kaufman like, (laughs) yeah, you know, it feels very much like, and this, I guess for me too, is like the best part of wrestling, you know, and why I'm a wrestling fan is because you're not sure. You still could sit here and be like, oh, yeah, it's a work. It's a work. But then you're like, is it completely a work? You know, or, oh, it's a shoot. It's a shoot. Is it completely a shoot? You know, like you don't really know. And that's I feel like that's what makes wrestling so exciting. You know, like, I, I don't know. There's still people who think the Montreal screw job was a work. And that's crazy. Know, and I could point to ideas where, yeah, it could be. A, it could have been a work. But then you can point to the parts where it was probably a shoot you know uh the points where oh it could have been a work well put it this way and i say this all the time when you you before you cry oh that's a work 
think to yourself who benefits from the work. Right. You right. Know, a work is basically a con in a way, you know, you know, a grift, <laughs> you know, who benefits. So say, say the Montreal Screwjob was, was a work. Who benefits? Everybody benefited. They got the belt off of Sean, off of Brett one to Sean. Brett didn't have to do a job on the way out. And WWE created a great new heel character that had a, you know, run, you know, had one of the top feuds eventually with, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin. I would argue, I would argue to say the best heel of the, of the Monday Night Wars. Yeah. Yeah. And it it was a heel. He didn't have to worry about leaving because he owned the company. Right. You know, right. Evergreen. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's, you know, where you go. Okay. Montreal school job could have been a work because somebody benefited from it. Now with this, who benefits, you know, I mean, yeah, they're, they're creating buzz, right. You know, and that's, you know, buzz beats everything. Buzz trumps everything because when done right, I should say, because that's the buzz is the best form of free advertisement. Absolutely. You know, tell, telephone, television, tell the people, you know, you know, uh, you know, so by see something on TV and go, God damn, man, I just saw the damn thing. You got to watch this. And then that person watches that person tells their friend. And by, by the time the, the audience grows, you know, that's the benefit of the MGF Tony Khan thing being a work. They're getting all this free publicity on all the news sites because they're working everybody. Here's another problem. They're probably laying it all out through text messages. You know, here's another part of that too, that, that should be, you know, sort of talked about. This is my personal opinion, but I feel as though AEW has struggled with breaking through their legion of fans who watch religiously every week. They haven't pulled anybody in really. They haven't been able to 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 break through that that top that they hit. They hit their peak when they're with their ratings and then they don't hit any higher. And that's, you know, could be a multitude of reasons and a multitude of factors, which I won't get into because I'm not here to shit on anybody. I'm just saying that based on the facts, they just they have a certain threshold that they seem to never be able to get through and would be curious as to why. But I will yeah. tell you, watching Dynamite on Wednesday, it has never interested my wife. My wife is not an AEW fan, but she sat through that entire MJF promo and watched that entire thing with her mouth open and eyes wide going, holy shit. Is this real? Right. And now she's, now she's like, I want to know what happens next week. And there's your fucking tie. There's the grab, right? Because now I'm invested in the storyline too. Now I want to know what's going to happen next week. It does tie into, we'll, we'll talk about CM Punk in a second because that's the second part of the news that happened. But, you know, mm-hmm. once that pipe bomb happened in WWE with John Cena, it became a part of CM Punk's character. You know, it became the story that was with CM Punk. Shooting on everybody, he would shoot on Johnny Ace and Kevin Nash and, you know, Hunter and everybody else that's in the ring, and it became who he was. Um, and eventually he left anyway. But I, I just, I don't know how, what kind of, like, I don't want to see this drag out for 18 months. You know, I don't know what kind of legs this has on it. And I'm curious right. to know... I still think MJF is going to be the guy that beat CM Punk for the title, and I think this is where that's going. Yeah. But um, now that we have sort of a monkey wrench, if you will, um, CM Punk is injured 
has an injured foot and will have to have surgery. Um, last night they were saying on Rampage that he was going to relinquish the title and now he's not. There's going to be an interim champion. Um, interim champion is going to be crowned at the Forbidden Door on June 26th. Um, uh, lots of questions about CM Punk, but, uh, you know, what do you think about the the news on CM Punk? I mean, it sucks. It's obviously the shits because he just won the title, had his big coronation. What are your thoughts on uh, on CM Punk not vacating the title, though? It's unfortunate uh, that, you know, he got injured. Uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, your first match after you win the uh, world title and you, you, you break something in your foot, that, that sucks. Yeah. Um, did they say what exact spot where he, he got hurt? I'm not sure. I've been trying to find it while I've been trying to look up the information while we were here. It says, uh, let me just try to find this here while you're talking. No, it's just, it's unfortunate. Um, you know, and you know, when he, he wins the belt, he comes out and does a six man tag. I think they could just give him a night off and come well, not like give him the night off from competing, you know, you know, to, to win the world title and then your next match is a six man tag match. It's like, yeah, I, yeah. I see, in, in the opening of the, the show, if anything, you know, have him come out, hit the music, and then uh, he comes out and does a like does a promo, and then you know, you know, you know, celebrate him being champion and going with the rest of the show. But this to have have a match, just you know, just a six man tag. It doesn't feel, yeah, it just felt like, yeah, it, the belt should be important. You know, the belt, yeah, that's the belt, the belt in AEW. And just the guy who just won the championship on the pay-per-view comes out and this has a six-man tag. You know, uh, it seemed like a, you know, like almost like a throwaway match. You yeah. know, but, but it just didn't, it didn't make sense to me. I thought when he came out, I thought he was just going to cut a promo and, you know, talk about it and maybe set something up for, you know, maybe next week or whatever, but. And it sucks. He he broke his foot, and uh, you know, I guess they're doing the UFC thing. You know, where somebody gets an injury, they have an interim championship. You know, they're they're borrowing from uh, Dana White. UFC. Yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> I'd be something if uh, well, they probably can't do it now. But like if MGF won the inter interim belt, and when Punk came back, he refused to. They were unified. He's like, Nah, I'm the I'm the fucking champ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm curious to see if it's going to be a New Japan guy because they're doing it at the Forbidden Door. Are they going to be involved in this? Is it going to be somebody from Ring of Honor? What's the, yeah. you know, what's going to be the the timeline on this? But, <clears throat> excuse me, it's the Rona TM. Uh, I don't, yeah, I'm curious, man. I uh, It seemed very confusing, though, on Rampage because they were, you know, Chris Jericho said a couple of times that he was going to relinquish the title and then they corrected themselves right before he came out. And it was like, guys, what the fuck is going on? Like what, you know? Yeah. Could, I mean, it wasn't any more confusing than last night's SmackDown, but um, you know, I, uh, there's just, there was a lot there. Um, I'm curious, you know, we hope that that punk is it rests up and gets better and, and gets back in the ring and, you know, gets what, the help that he needs and, and figured it out. But um, yeah, it's just a shame, man. It's a shame that he gets all the way to the top of the mountain there, and then he's got to cancel it. But I do agree. I felt like, you know, well, I think it was Tanahashi that came out um, after the the six man tag, right? I think they were setting that up for the yeah. Forbidden Door. So yeah. um, 
I feel like that's going to be. Kind of Tanahashi. Uh, yeah, he's a good dude. Um, I went to a Ring of Honor show at the arena, and uh, the New Japan guys were there. And I'm standing there, and uh, just hanging out. <clears throat> it's me, Mrs. Meany, and a few other people. I think from the Monster Factory. And uh, Tanahashi goes around and taps Mrs. Meany on the shoulder. Goes Blue Meany. Yeah, points to me. <laughs> asked me, asked Mrs. Meany if I was the Blue Meany. It's like he's a grown man, but it was the cutest goddamn thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and uh, I go over, you know, we, we shook hands and talked for a little bit and took a couple photos together, which is cool. That's cool. And, uh, I'll, I'll message him here and there. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's good to see Tanahashi on uh, AEW. You know, he's got fantastic hair. He does. You know, he's he's luxurious. Yeah. Very, he uses Prowl. Uh, <laughs> Don't hate me because I'm beautiful. Uh, whatever that shampoo in the 80s was yep, with uh, Kelly LeBrock or whatever. What's a weird science? I don't know. I'm just rambling here. I'm trying to find the shampoo commercial. Uh, Pantene commercial from the 1980s. Okay. Kelly LeBrock, you're right. Don't hate me yeah. because I'm beautiful. And meaning I would ask yeah. you the same thing. Don't hate us because we're beautiful. Meaning I do have a question for you, though. Are yes. you ready to ask me, Nick? I would love to. It's time to ask me anything. Ask me something. Don't forget, tweet us your questions using the hashtag AskMeanie. Hit us on Twitter, Mind of the Meanie. Hit us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Mind of the Meanie. Drop your questions, and we will ask them on the show. We're going to hit the pod squad here real fast. Don't forget, Patreon.com slash Mind of the Meanie. You get to join us now and watch us and our pretty faces. Pod squad member... Lucha Lechozo wants to know, hey, Meanie, who would you yes. like to see face Hiroshi Tanahashi now that Punk is out at the Forbidden Door pay-per-view? Uh, who doesn't have a match yet? I, it, I would say Daniel Bryan right off the bat, but I don't know if he's... Does he have a match already? I'm not sure, but that would be my choice, too. <clears throat> yeah, that, that makes all the sense in the world. You know, it would, be, it would have to be Daniel Bryan. You know, or Brian Danielson, whatever, what the fuck ever. Uh, you know, um, you know, I'm just getting used to calling John Moxley, John Moxley. All right. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, de- definitely Brian Daniel, uh, Brian Danielson, uh, would make all the sense of the world. You know, as far as that roster goes, um, or hangman page, but I don't know what, what their plans with hang- hangman page are for right now. You know, with him having lost the AEW belt and stuff like that. So who knows? But uh, number one would be Brian Danielson if he doesn't already have a match because I, I don't know what the card is. Uh, Andrew Bailey wants to know, hey, Meanie, why is Moxley automatically the in the interim championship match when he's ranked number four on the AEW ranking system? Everybody else has to be in the Battle Royal. I don't know. Uh, I don't like the whole rankings thing in AEW. I thought I was going to like it and I just don't like it because all you have to do is look at the loss record and see who's getting buried, you know? You know, you can, you can unintentionally, unintentionally bury somebody, you know, with wins and losses and stuff like that. So <clears throat> uh, that's a great question. That's a great question. But uh, 
I'm sure that, I mean, they weren't planning on having to do this in the first place. So they're, they're, they're scram- in scramble mode. Yeah. So to speak. So who knows? Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do. It's, it's going to be a battle Royal for the belt, right? Yeah. It's going to be like a battle Royal. And I think they're, I guess, whoever wins the battle Royal. And I don't know if they're going to do like a tournament, you know, guys are going to fight each other and then it's going to happen at, at the forbidden door. So they should just have a battle Royal. And when it comes down to the last two people, it goes from being a battle Royal to pin pins, pinfalls count. Yeah. You know, but I don't know. What do I know? Hey, that's, Hey, that's what we're asking. That's why we're asking Meanie. Remember? Ask me something. It's the shits. I can't remember what regular air smells like. Pod squad member Devin Miller wants to know if ECW did a forbidden door style show with WWE around 1996 or so, who would you have wanted to face? If we did one with WWE? Mm-hmm. Ooh, uh, I'm trying to think who's on the fucking roster. <clears throat> Probably Goldust, you know? Yeah. We could have done Blue Dust versus Goldust a couple of years before we did in WWE. You know, um, I mean, the, it, it, the door was open. It was just, you know, the back door because, you know, Vince was, you know, paying, you know, Vince was giving ECW money. So we were kind of like a glorified uh, feeder system. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it, in that era, if I had to, you know, try to remember that, you know, the 96 WWE roster, I would say definitely do blue dust first gold dust. You know, company versus company. Yeah. Right. And it would have been cool to work with that version of Goldust as well. Cause, yeah. You know, Dustin was so good with evolving, you yeah. know, the character. Just, it would have been awesome. Mark and Dryden wants to know this question is for both of you. I love Adam questions. Ooh. First concert and any interesting or funny stories from your first concert? <clears throat> Uh, my first concert was a free concert. It was, uh, the beach boys Atlantic city. I want to say 1984 or 85. Uh, and they moved it to Atlantic city because for some reason they, they, they used to do an annual concert on the 4th of July in Washington. And one of the politicians did something and they had to move it. They, they couldn't perform in Washington. I forgot what the steps were. And, uh, it was just a, a cool thing to go to a concert with my grandparents. Yeah. Uh, and just, you know, watch the Beach Boys. And this was when um, the drummer was still alive. Uh, Dennis Wilson was still alive. So I got to see the Beach Boys with Dennis Wilson. Uh, and then the next day we went to the, you know, you know we, we were staying, in, well, I lived in Atlantic City at the time. So the next day we went to the beach. We went to the exact beach where the concert was. And I swear I could have seen like, like the, the stage was still up and they were doing stuff. And I could have sworn I saw like one of the beach boys on the stage. And I, I regret not going over and be like, Hey, you know, saying something, you know, but, uh, yeah, it was cool. My first concert was first concert concert. My first paid concert was Van Halen. But, um, you know, since we're talking about first concert, it, I think that still counts, even though it was free. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Absolutely. It was a great show. It was a great show. There's a, there's like uh, there's video of it somewhere uh, like news stories and stuff like that on it, but uh, yeah it was it was cool. There's like 
they they try I think they tried to say there was like over a hundred thousand people there, but wow. I don't know. My first concert was the Snowcore Rock Festival in two thousand and two. Um, really? Yeah. So I it was Alien Ant Farm. Um <laughs> yeah, Adema and Glassjaw played that show. It was fucking great. It was free. I was a uh, I was a um reporter. Actually, it was a, a high school reporter for the Bucks County Courier Times um, back in from like 2000 to 2003. And I used to cover concerts pretty frequently. And we used to get free tickets all the time. So I went and covered the show. And it was pretty solid. It was the first time I ever crowd surfed, and that was fun. Um, and uh, I'm trying to think if there's any wild stories of that show. I don't think there was. Uh, my first paid show, I think, was... I think it was the, um, so Snowcore was actually sponsored that year by Y100, which is a very famous Philadelphia, you know, alternative rock station, um, which is no longer around. So RIP right. Y100. Uh, but I, th- uh, it, technically it still lives on in virtual form. There's like a, a streaming version. Yes. I think is it, is it, I think it's involved with XPN. If I remember correctly, WXPN, um, yeah, because, uh, W Y W Y S P which used to be 94.1 WISP that kind of went away, still evolves uh, on uh, the HD channels. Really? Still, still technically a WISP. Wow. Yeah, if you go on the, was it the Odyssey app or radio.com, you can get WISP and they still have the uh, bumpers and stuff like that. It's oh, shit. Cool. I'll have to check it out, man. I love that. Yeah, YSP used to be the only channel you could get like uh, like the heavy rock. You know what I mean? You could get like like Static X or, um, you know, Soulfly or any of those. Like they were like the only station that played it in Philly. And, you know, MMR was like your, you know, playing even flow 30 times a day. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jess Marchera, fucking, I'll have to send that to you. It's so great. But anyway, I digress. Uh, back to the question. Um, my first paid concert was the uh, Sprite Liquid Mix Tour in 2003 which was headlined by Pharrell Williams and NERD and The Roots. And if you've never seen The Roots live, Pod Squad and anybody else out there that's listening, you owe it to yourself to go see them live because they are fucking incredible. Yeah. Um, one of the guys we were with, what's that? Get busy now. <laughs> one of the guys that we were with um, jumped into the Delaware River because we were at the, uh, the Tweeter Center, at the E-Center. And uh, he jumped in, so he was. we were on the Trenton side, or the Cannon side, rather, and he jumped into the river, um, which was, I don't know why anybody would do anything like that, but I think there were definitely some mind-altering substances involved uh, during that time. Uh, but we would not let him ride in the car. He had to ride in the back of the pickup truck the whole way home. So I was not about it. The good thing about the Roots is they worked in Van Halen in one of their songs. Really? I think the song, I think the song Get Busy. Oh, no shit. Uh, yeah, there's a really cool, there's a video online. Somebody did a, a, a mix of all the, you know, epic Philly sports moments to that song. And that's where I first heard, like, the, the roots. That's where I first heard the roots. And then I was like, man, this they said something about Van Halen. And then I found out they're from Philly. I'm like, oh, well, yeah. fuck. They're awesome. Yeah, they're fucking great. I'm telling you, they are absolutely fantastic. You know, I uh, if you also one one quick plug for them as well. Black Thought, who is the I guess the head of the band, 
you know, because they're they're a live band. Um, they're not, you know, they have a DJ, but they're also a live band. Um, Black yeah. Thought did a a ten minute freestyle a couple years ago uh, on Funk Flex on Hot ninety seven, and it is incredible. So go out of your way to check that out. Last question for you today comes from Nate Smythe. He wants to know you've definitely been in the business. I want to th- know what you think. If there was one thing you could change about the business today that is different than the way it used to be, what would you change? Hmm. One thing that doesn't like, I guess, no longer exists. Either that, or like, if there's something that you, your biggest issue with something that happens, like the you know the loss of kayfabe or something like that, I think is what he's asking. I forget who said. I don't know if it was Cornette or Dutch oh, Mantel. But uh, they said we used to protect each other and tell everybody it was real. Now we just kill each other and tell everybody it's fake. You know, it's just uh, there's an art. I mean, kayfabe's not dead. It's not. It's just misused. Uh, you know, you know, prime example, you know, me not telling anybody where I'm going to be wrestling, you know, not that I'm, you know, in the top topic of, you know, pro wrestling. But, but bro, you're pretty fucking over. Don't lie. You're pretty over. I, I'm pretty good at hiding where I'm going to be next. You know, yeah. To the point where <clears throat> when I came out for MLW like a year ago, my friend was like, you motherfucker, you were texting me as if you were home and you, one minute you're sending me a text and your ring music hits. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know. I did not know full disclosure that you would be at the MLW. Uh, what was it? Fightland until about an hour, like after I was there. And I think that was the same thing. I think I may have seen you or something. And I was like, fuck blue meanies here. And listen, man, I heard that crowd when you came out, I heard that crowd. They were fucking hot for you, man. Oh man, that's that you're very kind. Uh I mean fuck the NWA show. Yeah. Uh I did the Crockett Cup and I peeked I poked my head out. I hadn't realized they opened the doors. I went, Oh fuck. And then <laughs> somebody DM'd me. Like there's this uh a reporter, Bob Kapoor from uh Canada. I think he does slam wrestling. Um he DM'd me, he's like, Are you in Nashville? And I just Nope. Fucking no soul. Like, <laughs> nope. Hey, if I was, why would I tell you and fucking ruin the surprise? Yeah. Don't ask me. Don't put me on the fucking. Don't force me to lie to you. <laughs> or don't force me to ignore you because I love ignoring people. But you know, I don't like lying. But if I have to protect yeah. what I'm doing, you know, I got to protect what, I can, what I'm doing. Uh, if somebody asks me not to tell anybody, and then you're forcing me to fucking say something. I'm going to have to lie yeah. or just not talk to you at all, which basically gives away that I am there. You know, that's why but, I don't uh, even, that's why I don't even ask you. Like most times I won't even ask like, Hey, are you going to be here? Are you going to be there? I just want to be surprised. But you came, yeah. I think you've, like I said, you kayfabe me the one time because I knew, I knew that you knew I was going to the Fightland show. Cause I think I said something either on the show or around that time. And then mm-hmm. I, you didn't, you didn't, you know, you know, sold me. So I appreciate the fact that you keep that going because that makes me feel good because I'm like, oh, shit, he's my buddy. You know, we do the show together, but yeah. you're still keeping it alive, which I, I really dig. Yeah, that's just fucking the, the art form of just keeping secrets, you know, <clears throat> you know, not like that. Not like everything was super secretive back in the past anyway, because, you know, Melter had to get his news from somewhere. Meltzer. Uh, Meltzer. You know, Wade Kelly. <laughs> 
Be Wade Keller, don't. <laughs> yeah, in a sea full of Dave Meltzer's and Brian Alvarez's, be a Wade Keller. I like Alvarez, but just tone. Yeah. Tone yeah. I'm all about tone with people, you know. Just, uh, just talk to people like people, you know. Um, but Brian's a good dude. I don't hate Brian Alvarez. I don't hate Dave Meltzer. Yeah. But it's your fucking tone. Well, I think and that's the why. They're so, yeah. so blatant you know fanboys yeah which is fine you know <laughs> uh, there's a video of um jim Cornette reviewing God the damn. aew press scrum and one of the reporters it says my favorite moment of the evening it's like what reporter says that yeah <laughs> yeah well my favorite you know or you know imagine uh, you know uh you know uh imagine fucking- robert costa Fucking going into the middle of the fucking like Trump White House press briefing and being like, oh, yeah, my favorite. <laughs> yeah. Well, my favorite policy initiative that you did is this. Tell, you know, he's not kissing ass. He's a reporter. No, imagine somebody going to an NFL uh, press conference after a game. Oh, that, my favorite trick play uh, was that play in the, you know, when you did the flea flicker. You know, a reporter would never say no. that or do that. But, uh, yeah, just, you know, Meltzer's such an obvious fucking fanboy. Yeah. And he, he's he's totally, whatever's the polar opposite of WWE, he's a fan of. Yeah. Pretty much. And that's that's a shame because you, you can't be objective and there's no way that he'll be able to actually say, you know, I'm a, don't call yourself a reporter. Because, like, we've had this conversation before, but I, I don't have it. Listen, I, I don't have any issues with... With Alvarez, you know, I don't like his tone. I don't do tough guy shit with people. And I feel like he's the kind of guy that was like a tough guy when he talks right. about this stuff. And I don't like that, man. If you have a fucking disagreement with me, then talk to me about it. But like, I won't do tough guy shit with anybody. Um, but Meltzer, you know, like I said, we you, you hit it right on the head. It's just like, dude, you, you know, if you have a preference for what you like, which is the Japanese style wrestling, that's great. Yeah. But don't fucking sit here and shit on something. Don't shit on the... You know, the Firefly Funhouse or, you know, uh, Roman and Brock at WrestleMania or, you know, Knoxville because you that's not your style. That's great, but it's somebody's style. And the rest of the world fucking loved it. So, um, but no. I, I hate when people pretend they're shocked when WWE does WWE things. <laughs> yeah. It's like, have, have you watched the company since 1984? Or 85 since Vince took over. Right. You realize Mr. T was at the fucking first WrestleMania. Cindy Lauper was at the first WrestleMania, guys. They had a fucking wedding with Uncle Elmer. Right. What you- so where's the fucking shock with Johnny Knoxville in that match? What? Stop Stop pretending to be shocked and dis- dismayed. You know, Meltzer was like, I watched, these, uh, I watched this match with friends. Who gives a fuck? Yeah, like, what are you talking about? Right. But also, too, like, and then what fucks me up is AEW does stuff like the Ghostbusters tribute with, you know, the All Elite Friends, and it's fine because I'm a big big Ghostbusters fan, but, like, don't pretend that AEW is also not doing sports entertainment things. They're literally doing the same shit that they just, like, I don't understand. I don't understand the differential, guys. That's a great point. Literally, they're doing the same fucking thing. It's not Johnny Knoxville and Jackass, but it's the Ghostbusters through TNT or TBS or Turner Broadcasting or whoever the fuck was handling it. And these guys come out literally dressed like the Ghostbusters. And 
Hangman Page or whoever it was was behind Kenny Omega dressed as the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. And yeah. everybody had a fucking bird about it. It's like, guys, everybody was like so excited. They're like, oh my God, this is so amazing. But like, what's the difference? I'm sorry. I'm getting off on a tangent here. You made a thousand percent sense with that. If WWE did the exact same thing. Be fucking hands would- across America. People would be fucking pissed, man. Be fucking <laughs> furious. I can't believe they are disrespecting my great fucking sport by doing Ghostbusters and Wee Man getting kicked in the face. That shit was fucking great. Yes. It was fucking entertaining. I have a friend, yeah. Jeff Quinn, friend of the show, Jeff Quinn, watched the Johnny Knoxville match because of Johnny Knoxville. And he was like, man, I was fucking thoroughly entertained watching that yeah, the match. Whole, the, whole, the whole point of you know bringing in these outsiders to do stuff is hopefully... It'll draw in the casual fans that'll stick around. Right. Right. To watch other people. You know, when I was, you know, we were running 3PW here in Philly, we would bring in a name talent, you know, the headline in order to get eyes on our younger guys on the undercard. And when they got over, you kind of didn't have to rely on names after a while because you, you built your own names. Right. You know? Right. And that's the point. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just, you know. I would say I would I would agree with you that I don't think kayfabe is done is dead. I just think it it's done poorly. But what's not done poorly, Blue Meanie, is this program. And I thank you for your time, sir. Tell you, everybody sir. where they can find you on social media. Before I go back to bed, um, <laughs> <laughs> going to fuck to sleep. Yeah, man. Uh, I say that now, and I'm I'm fucking wide awake. But if you would like to uh, follow me on social media across all platforms that's twitter facebook instagram and tiktok which who the fuck knows how to work i don't know at blue meanie bwo uh that's a www whatever the fuck at whatever the fuck whatever the fuck god damn i love cornet me too um uh where, yeah at, at twitter.com twitter.com slash blue meanie bwo yeah, three, yeah, I'm just rambling. No, dude, uh, you're fine. I got a uh, yingling on the brain. Um, <laughs> Probably on the breath, too, maybe. Oh. <laughs> uh, it's here. And take two. If you would like to follow <laughs> me on all forms of social media, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, which, uh, whatever the fuck, at Blue Meanie BWO. Uh, if you would like to support the Blue Meanie, go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash blue meanie where you could get uh, yourself a fine looking bwo shirt or you can get a shoot video which is their version of cameo i can uh you know go you know and just like on cameo.com slash cameo.com slash blue meanie bwo i can do uh birthdays christmases well wishes whatever you want whatever the fuck uh <laughs> go to uh crosslingtees.com slash blue meanie go to cameo.com slash Beetle Blue Meanie BWO. Uh, if you want to look and smell good, just like the Blue Meanie, if uh, my my bearded brethrens, uh, go to madcatbeardcare.com uh, and uh, get the blue spruce. Uh, he uh, Josh Thornton just had a, a nice little uh, tournament of all the uh, beard oils over there at madcatbeardcare.com. And uh, the blue spruce came out uh, head and shoulders above the rest. So. There you go. And if you know if you don't have a beard, but you know that's it makes a perfect gift for uh, your friends who do. They got the uh, the oils and the bombs, and I still use my Madcap Beard Co. 
Mad Cat Beard Care Comb, beard comb <laughs> each and every day. So go to madcatbeardcare.com. Uh, go to collar and elbow, collar and elbow brand.com. Use promo code MEANY and save some money. They have uh, they, they just did a little relaunch with some uh, new designs and all that good stuff. So go to uh, collar and elbow brand.com. Al Snow and Rod Hicks are killing it over there. So uh, go support them and, uh, you know, save yourself some money. But, Mr. Uh, Bernard, where can we find you? Thank you, Blue Media. I appreciate you. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at this is Goober. Yes, it is my handle. No, I'm not changing it. It's a brand, pal. Uh, you can find <laughs> me there. Follow me for all the goodies. You can also listen to the show, uh, my other program, Foundation Radio, by going to foundationradio.net. Lots of great stuff coming up there in the pipeline. Uh, not just wrestling over there, but lots of cool things. Uh, you can also go to prowrestlingtees.com slash foundationradio. Pick up a shirt. Support the program. Go to prowrestlingtees.com slash mindofthemeanie. Pick up a shirt and support the show. Patreon.com slash mindofthemeanie to watch us record this early. We appreciate you, Blue Meanie. I always have a blast doing this. I always feel so like I have so much fun doing this show and being with the pod squad every week. This is a blast. I really appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much. For the Blue Meanie, I'm Adam Bernard. Join us again each and every week as we take a trip through the mind of the meanie. This episode of Mind of the Meanie was recorded and produced by Adam Barnard and was engineered by Carl Pinnell. Additional production and narration provided by Sam Kreps. Our executive producers are Josh Chernoff, Adam Barnard, and the Blue Meanie. Our opening theme is performed by the Swamp Candles. Our closing theme is performed by Chikara. The show contains original music produced by Enrichment. Get additional bonus content by becoming our patron on Patreon at patreon.com slash mindofthemeanie. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at mindofthemeanie. This has been a Butts Carlton Media Production in conjunction with the MLW Radio Network. Butts Carlton Proprietor. That was Blue Meanie's brain out. The world of MLW Radio never stops.